most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this! More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom, to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact! Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents The Jim Ross Report. (laughs) With WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross. And now, the man himself, good old JR. Thank you very much and welcome everybody to Slobberknocker Audio. I am good old JR Jim Ross, speaking to you from the hallowed halls of the cat in Oklahoma City. Right here on the mighty Westwood One. That's, that's all my radio voices. They're done. I got nothing left. Uh, big show today. You're going to hear from uh, Cody Rhodes in his first interview. Uh, after he became the NWA champion. And I had that with him on Sunday afternoon that aired on the Fight app. And uh, prior to that, I had a chance to talk to Rey Mysterio about WWE knocking on his door. It To me, it is inevitable that Rey Mysterio will go to WWE much sooner than later uh, and to resume uh, his run there and continue to build his legacy on a global basis with that big uh, WWE footprint. More on that and those two interviews later in this broadcast. Plus, there's some Q&As from some of the fans uh, at uh, the event on, in Chicago that was just amazing. i got a lot more on that, a lot more thoughts. Uh, like I said, a busy week. I'm going to New York City this week uh, to represent uh, the wrestling podcast on Westwood One. Yes, indeed, the mighty Westwood One, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, with some uh, potential advertisers. If they're potential now, baby, we're closing some deals on Thursday. That's all I'm going to say about that. And uh, But right now, here's what's on my mind. Man, there's a lot of things on my mind, including Slobberknocker. Our book's still kicking butt, thanks to many of you. If you haven't tried Slobberknocker, my life in wrestling, uh, Amazon.com is a pretty good place to start, no matter where you live. Uh, and they've also got the audio book, which got a lot of positive feedback on that while I was in Chicago this weekend from uh, wrestling fans that had listened to the audio book. And then they came to our gimmick table and I sold them a signed book. So, uh, good feedback, amazon.com. And by the way, I signed a bunch of books. Uh, the last time I was with Kenny McIntosh and his wonderful inside the ropes crew. And so Kenny, if you stay, uh, stay tuned. Uh, to his website, follow Kenny on Twitter, social, social media, so forth. Uh, he'll let you know when those uh, and how to get those signed copies of Slobberknocker if you are so interested. And uh, Kenny's always got big things coming up. And I'm sure to have a, a major announcement regarding some other things uh, on the autograph and, and show front coming soon. He always does. I spent the weekend uh, watching a little OU football on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. kickoff Central Time. Uh, enjoyed the game. Sooners won big. They, they woodshedded Lane Kiffin's team, not to anybody's surprise here, but there were people from, uh, West Palm that actually thought they were, they had a chance. I didn't have the heart to break it to them before the game that probably not going to happen, but I did enjoy uh, being on the radio there and, uh, the ESPN affiliate there in West Palm. Good guys, wrestling fans. looks like they enjoy their work and I, I can admire that. Uh, and, uh, what else? Oh yeah. I want that little event called, uh, all in Conrad Thompson, Connie, my boy, uh, 
got me to Chicago about eight o'clock and I got to the arena, see the last three matches of all in. And I got to tell you, I walked in with the Okada Marty squirrel match kind of in progress. Well, it wasn't progress. It went kind of in progress. So I've been kind of pregnant. It was in progress. Hell man. It captivated me early. A lot of great little nuances. And I watched it in, in Connie's suite in the, the box there that was well oversold. And all, a lot of the freeloaders like me had eaten all the food before I got there. So I had a relish sandwich, exotic food for a hall of famer, a relish sandwich, maybe a t-shirt out of that somewhere. I don't know. Uh, but anyhow, uh, really enjoyed that, uh, the, the show, uh, the event was amazing. Uh, and on Sunday, you know, uh, the, listen, the ring of honor guys that produce this thing television wise, did so much on, on Saturday. And I'm sure a lot on Sunday too. I'm not sure. Uh, but Saturday for sure at the uh, live event, uh, gotta be commended for their efforts and the job that they did the same for the fight app. My God, that they set record business. You know, they, they said the fight app is saying that their pay-per-view business was the biggest they've ever had and that it very easily will, will exceed $1 million in sales. Now that was a, about a day ago. This I'm recording this on Tuesday. So that was yesterday. I heard that through the grapevine and, uh, you know, they just did a phenomenal, phenomenal business. Uh, I talked to Mike Weber who didn't tell me about the million dollars, but I did hear that from another reliable source. But Mike did tell me that, uh, fight was the top grossing sports app uh, this past weekend in, in the land. And that means folks, this, the fight app with this wrestling event orchestrated by Cody, the young bucks, and certainly Conrad Thompson drove more revenue than the MLB TV, ESPN, Fubo TV, USC, and even the fantasy football draft. That's doing some sport. That's some app business, baby. So, uh, congratulations to everybody involved. It was a fun event. I, I had, I had a lot of fun there. And again, you, you'll hear my, I did my little, little ringside show, kind of an abbreviated, uh, amended version of it, uh, with, uh, Cody and with Ray. And you'll hear those interviews uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, so fight did a great job and I can commend them. Colonel Parker, good old Mike Weber, AKA, AKA Colonel Parker. He wrangled, he herded the chickens, did a hell of a job. Uh, little, little, I don't, this kind of bothered me. Uh, the CM Punk had a great signing that did phenomenal business for him and for, uh, pro wrestling tees and Ryan Barkin, all those great people that worked there. And as a, you know, by the way, pro wrestling tees sold about a half a million dollars worth of t-shirts over the weekend, half a million dollars worth of t-shirts at this quote unquote, indie wrestling event. That's pretty damn special, isn't it? But anyway, uh, he has a successful signing and then punk did not show up at the, uh, all in. And I don't think that's even the right terminology. I said that he didn't show up like he was supposed to show up, but he didn't show up. And that's not true either. As far as I know, CM Punk was never advertised to be at all in. I didn't, I was not disappointed that. Uh, watching the replay on fight that he was not there because I didn't expect him to be there. So it was unlike Jericho where Jericho was a, a great surprise and he got you. And you know, that was, that was beautifully done. 
So, uh, but I didn't, and I didn't feel badly that punk deserted his fans by not coming to all in. I don't know. I mean, I just, I just think we all need to move on, you know, really. God, let the guy be happy, whatever he wants to do. He, we enjoyed his work for a long time. Now, you know, he's wanting to move on. He move on. Goodness gracious. Uh, too much grief about him not being at all in for my taste. That's all I'm saying. Just my opinion. Don't burn your Nikes. Let me tell you that. Don't burn your damn Nikes for God's sakes. You know, this whole thing with Nike signing Colin, uh, Colin Kaepernick to be a spokesman, uh, and everybody getting a lot, a lot of people getting pissed off and now they're burning their Nikes. How ignorant can you really be? How ignorant can you really be? As my grandpa would say, the dumb man starts biting that boy around the ankles and works his way right up his legs. That's a lot of dumbass. If you're going to get, you're going to destroy your shoes. Why don't you give them to somebody that can use them? Wouldn't it be a lot better? Take yourself a little video, get yourself on camera. Maybe TMZ will run, not TMZ. They won't run that. The HLN might, there's about a zillion news organizations that will, will run it probably. But why don't you show yourself donating your Nikes to a shelter or the Salvation Army or Goodwill or, or a zillion other viable organizations that provide clothing, including shoes, to those that are in need? Burn your Nikes. Kiss my ass. What a stupid thing to do. So uh, anyway. That's my take on that. And as far as Kaepernick being a spokesman, I don't care. I'm wearing Nikes right now. Jordans. Cause why? I am an impressionable, jock-sniffing Oklahoma fan. So what? Turning back to some wrestling business, it's kind of interesting to see how the fans are gravitating to Becky Lynch. She's on the cusp of doing some great things, I think. There's a groundswell of support for her that's very organic reminiscent into how in the early days of the development uh, of the Stone Cold character, when fans started getting on that Austin bandwagon and wanted to ride it as far as it was going to go, but they knew it was going to crash sometime because that was just his style. That's the ride he took us on. Uh, and I think that Becky is kind of playing off some of that same feel, general feel with, uh, with her on-screen demeanor. Uh, you know, she's a, She's a little bit of an anti-establishment. She's had enough. She's pissed off. No more Mr. Nice Girl and no more sidekick. So I think she's on the, some, the cusp of some great things. And you know the thing about I, I, I hear, and I guess it's true, I think it's true, that, she, that Becky and, and Charlotte are going to have their match at, at the Hell in a Cell inside a Hell in a Cell. My problem has been on this promotion is that I don't know sometimes what matches are at Hell in a Cell and what matches are in a hell in a cell. I don't know if anybody else has that problem, but I mean, they're not all going to be inside the cell. That'd be, that'd be crazy. So you pick out one or two and kind of see what happens, I guess. Right. I don't know what the card is. It's, a, it's an interesting card, but having more than one thing inside the same structure is daunting strategically for the creative fellas and the agents. Good luck boys. Funny that the you know, shield now, uh, going to sell a lot of merchandise. We're going to sell a lot of merchandise. Uh, I hope that they're stayed. They stay in a faction for longer than a cup of coffee. 
There's no sense in jump-starting something. Nobody needs to be jump-started. This could be a great organic thing where their individual careers could be solidified even more by having great success, success, key word, uh, in the shield. People begin then to entrust that brand. And so you entrust it collectively. There's no reason, viably, that you shouldn't entrust it individually. So there should be great things on the horizon for the shield. Uh, but I think that the, the Ambrose coming back, he's fresh. We all, as wrestling fans, we love to be surprised, and we love, we love for things to be freshened up. And Ambrose came back at a perfect time uh, to help freshen up the shield. Big news out of Nashville, the 70th anniversary NWA show, going to be in Nashville at the old Nashville Fairgrounds. That's going to be on October the 21st. Billy Corgan, the, the head and honcho, the owner of the NWA, and Jeff Jarrett, who's uh, got his toe in the fight water and also, of course, Global Force Entertainment, working together on that show, I'm told. And uh, I would fully expect, but why wouldn't you, have a Cody versus Nick Aldis rematch. That's the most logical man, main event you could have, and you'd almost be embarrassed not to be able to present that to your audience on the 70th anniversary show. I'd like to see a lot of the the healthier uh, in, former NWA champs, th those that travel, still make appearances to be a part of that presentation. Maybe they are already. I love nostalgia. I see it every day in the mirror. Bad news about Joey Mercury getting arrested there in Chicago. Joey's a, I've never had a bad word with Joey. I think he's a great kid. He's really, really smart, highly talented. Uh, he may be his own worst enemy at times. There's no doubt about that, but it make him a, a bad human being. It just means he has bad judgment at times. Uh, but uh, he had an outstanding uh, ticket uh, and that was traced back to him And uh, when he was taken to jail. for, for They weren't sure what he was. He was asleep in his car is what he was. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we wish him well. And uh, you know, he's a talented guy. He, he could be, Joey can contribute to any company. Let's put it that way. Any company. I know he's been doing some work with Ring of Honor, and that's great. I think that's a good marriage with his style, his uh, ability to coach. But you know, we all got to uh, watch our our uh, decision making. And I'm an old old bastard, and I still got to watch mine, no no doubt. I want to thank Don Callis for having me on his podcast uh, recently. We uh, we're uh, going to always try to help him and help impact wrestling when we can, and. I enjoy talking about wrestling announcing with Don. He's a very bright guy. Uh, the Impact Wrestling Brown for Glory pay-per-view is going to be on Sunday, October the 14th. That's around the corner in Queens at the uh, Melrose Ballroom. I hear it's almost sold out if it's not sold out by now. And uh, But tickets do remain for their TV tapings the next two nights on Monday, October 15th, and Tuesday, October the 16th at the same Melrose Ballroom. So uh, tickets, the info's at uh, impactwrestling.com. Uh, they left some great stuff. I saw uh, their uh, knockouts champion Tessa Blanchard uh, uh, at uh, in well, at the, in Chicago. God dang, I'm going to see any place. I can't remember where the hell I was in Chicago uh, at uh, Starcast. Connie, <laughs> he said he said our show. That's money for Connie. Uh, so uh, she looked great, and she's really developed her game. Really uh, going to be, she's going to be a very a big top star before it's all said and done. And she's doing it the right way. 
She's learning every day and working different promotions and different experiences, growing on the road. You know, you, you mature, you, all these things. It's called growing up. It's called becoming an adult. And to become an adult within the wrestling business ain't no easy task. And finally, looking back at Monday Night Raw, you know, I enjoyed this show for a couple of reasons because I, I watched it for the first time, as many of you follow me on Twitter know, uh, in my new patio area. Got a nice little roof, got a little rain. I'm sitting underneath, the, underneath my cover there. My wife, Jan, left me with some uh, Lazy Boy outdoor furniture recliners and uh, big, give me a 55 inch uh, uh, the outdoor television. What the hell the word is? Star Bright or something. I don't know. What it is. Hell, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I did a little video. You can check, check that out on my timeline on, the, on Twitter. But I watched the show outdoors, and I really enjoyed it. You know, it's kind of cool, fresh, fresh air, nice breeze. The thing that stood out the most to me on Monday Night Raw, and I don't even know what would be second, and that sounds like I'm knocking the show, and I'm really not. I thought the Undertaker Shawn Michaels business was so much better than anything I have seen on, uh, on television. I thought the Becky Lynch and Charlotte business at times has been extremely good because it's real. It feels real. It's organic. I get it. Uh, but boy, this was, uh, took me back. And because I call so many of those matches and had the privilege of being there for WrestleMania 25 and 26 and, 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 and many prior to that with those guys and, and also then put it in triple H. So I've had a lot of experiences with these three men and their matches. I think one of the best matches I ever called, ever saw, was the Triple H and uh, Sean uh, when Sean came back from his four-year hiatus. It was awesome. I mean, it was textbook, and he didn't miss a damn beat. So anybody that thinks that Sean and Undertaker couldn't have a good match, think again, please. And if we all going to go through the glasses, always going to be half empty, they're not in their prime. You know, no shit. They're not in their prime. Wow. What a revelation. Of course, they're not in their prime physically, mentally. I suggest to you, they're probably at the, they probably the best they've ever been mentally to tell a story, to bring you in, to, to captivate you, to capture your imagination is done psychologically more often than not. They, they, I just think that they could give us a great match if and when it's going to happen. How do you make devote that much time on Monday Night Raw? Because I down near wanted to see Undertaker and Shawn more, and I want to see Undertaker and Triple H as the show went off. That show went off the air because of the performance of Taker and HVK. It was captivating. It was impactful. It was real. Those were not fake showbiz voices. They were real to me. And I just thought it was just outstanding. One of the best things I've seen on TV in a long time. And I've, I have communicated with both guys and, and congratulated them on what I felt like was a, a stellar night of work. Uh, so, uh, that's, that's what I remember the most about Monday night raw was that, 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 uh, interview, that promo. And look, if we said that undertaker and Sean was going to be a figured in some way at uh, WrestleMania in New York city, uh, MetLife, all that Jersey, everything you guys know, that would be huge. That's huge. 
That's huge. It's going to sell out anyway, no matter if it's who's at wrestling. The name, the brand, the event sells out. The card sells pay-per-views and network subscriptions. That's why the card's got to be extraordinary for these extraordinary events, these tentpole events. And that's why I think that uh, there is a better-than-average chance. You don't develop this much time on television without going somewhere with it. Why make me think that that could happen and give me that great a sales job to measure my level of anticipation and enthusiasm regarding the storyline without somewhere down the road being able to deliver it? So time will tell. As all good storytellers will tell you, you know, stay tuned. Uh, I happy that McIntyre and Ziggler won the tag titles just from the standpoint that they feel like more of a main event attraction than the young lads, Axel and, and Bro Dallas, who I like. But, you know, they, they still, they're still growing in this new role. they got some miles to travel yet, but they're getting there. But the bottom line is this, no matter who the champion is, Will there be a commitment made to rebuild tag team wrestling within the company? They got a lot of good teams. They've recruited well. They've trained well. They've hired well. But from a creative side, I don't feel the commitment in the tag team division. And you can't start it, stop it, start it, stop it. There's just, you got to have continuity. And some teams have got to get hot. You can't have 60 40 or 50 50 booking and it work. On a regular basis, it's just not going to happen. So the question is, all right, now you got the shield, you got, uh, you know, their, their group, their faction, you know, that's a murderer's row. No doubt about that. Look at them. Uh, and I just don't, I don't know. I like, I love McIntyre and Ziggler together. I'm high on both guys. I believe McIntyre will be the, the, one of the top guys, if not the top guy in this company within a year. Maybe as early as this WrestleMania, surely by the next one. But I, what are you going to do with the tag titles? Who else is going to get hot? Who else are, are you going to build long enough to build the anticipation to want to see that team that you just built challenge the champions? Take some time. I thought Alexa Bliss got a, a win that she needed. Uh, and the way she got it was kind of creative. It smelt of Fit Finley. That's a good thing. I thought that uh, watching some of the mannerisms, facial mannerisms, facial expressions, I should say, in the Bobby Roode, Chad Gable promo, I saw a natural born heel in Chad Gable. If you couldn't put those Roode and Chad Gable together as heels and make yourself a red hot tag team, I'd just shake my head at your lack of creativity. Chad Gable is a natural heel. He has a smirky little nerdy, am I, am I being nerdy or am I working you? Facial expressions. Am I being genuine or am I being disingenuous? Facial expressions. So I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see where that goes. I think he's a big time diamond in the rough as a heel, without a doubt. And Bobby Reed's, uh, Bobby Reed's already there. Bobby Reed can be as good in any level as you want him to be. I think he's more comfortable being a villain. That's just me. Uh, Finn Balor, well, he went down again, folks, but, uh, I just think somewhere along the way, you know, he needs to step away and, and, uh, reassess his game plan and figure out what he needs to do to, uh, freshen up 
And I think the company should also consider that as a viable option to help get him started because he is a phenomenal talent. You can't let younger phenomenal talents in his thirties. That's young. You can't let them mire through things when you can see that they're kind of running amok. There's no direction really. There's no, you know, I don't, I don't know. He doesn't have a, I don't know where he's headed. I, all I know is I love to watch him perform. And I love that once or twice a year, that demon thing persona is wonderful. But I think Finn Balor is too talented to let smolder and get and cool down. Uh, I can understand if you do, but if not, what's the big plan to bring him back and how can you make him special? And who can, and I think maybe one thing you might try is him putting his, his faction back together and having a Balor club. Why not? So, uh, it's an idea, right? And there's no bad ideas in creative and wrestling, unless you're counting the ding dongs and the hunchbacks that that's a story for another time. But that ladies and gentlemen, with that hunchback, uh, ding dong story, that's what's on my mind. Well, it's going to be another busy week. I'm excited about flying to New York city. You know, I'm getting so good on these uh, road trips. I can pack in about 20 minutes. Uh, cause I, some things are no brainers. Uh, the one thing that I n- will never leave home without, I think somebody uses that is my quip. I'm a big quip fan. Now you guys heard me talking about it before. This has been a, a blessing. Let me tell you. And folks, the truth is that most of us are brushing our teeth wrong, not for long enough. And we forget to change our brush on time. That's because most brands focus on selling flashy gimmicks, the gimmicks rather than better brushing, but not quip. So what makes quip so different? I'm glad you asked. Well, for starters, quip is an electric toothbrush. That's a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean for the dentist's recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. That's a great thing for me. I get thinking about a zillion things. The toothbrush helps remind you that you're doing something important here. You brush your damn teeth. Next, Quip subscription plans are for your health, not just for convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover wherever you take your teeth. And mine go with me everywhere I go. And finally, everyone loves Quip. They were on Oprah's O-List, named one of Time's Best Inventions, and is the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. Plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers use Quip every day. Now, here's the money. Here's what you need to pay attention to for sure. I hope you weren't ignoring me because I'm telling you some good stuff here. Quip starts at just $25. You heard it right. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Ross right now, you get your first refill pack absolutely free with a Quip electric toothbrush. 
That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Ross, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Ross. Appreciate you guys following me on Twitter at J-R-S-B-B-Q. We made the announcement a few days ago that Paul O'Brien and I will be working on the sequel to Slavernocker. Uh, Slavernocker still doing great business thanks to you guys. Slavernocker, my life in wrestling, has been uh, number one in its category for over a year and a half. And you can find the book at Amazon.com. And they don't ship anywhere. You guys know that. And there's fast, great customer service. Amazon.com for Slavernocker, my life in wrestling. In the audio book, the ebook, or the hard hardcover, uh, Paul and I are working on the, the second book. Doing a bunch of research, he is doing a lot of research. Uh, he's amazing at that, and uh, he he walks in my shoes better than I do. He does. He, he he will research things that I sometimes don't want to remember, which you can't not do. I got to do that. I got to be a big boy. So uh, anyway, we're working on that deal. So check out uh, uh, Slavernock if you haven't read it at amazon.com and you'll be you'll be happy about that slobber knocker and the slobber knocker of the week you know this is a a lot of good news here i've had a lot of fun this week you know our our team did a good job there in uh in chicago and at starcast uh enjoyed uh working with conrad thompson and i'm sure that somewhere down the road uh we're going to make the opportunities available for us to do more things together Uh, i don't know exactly what they're going to be but uh, there are no limits and there are no bad ideas in this creative process. So uh, I enjoyed all that. The crew there did a great job uh, as well. More on that momentarily. Uh, you know, go to Chicago and I like to stay in the same basic area right around Rosemont. One of the reasons because I like to go to, to Gibson Steakhouse and eat. Uh, I wasn't there long. I got two meals out of Gibson while I was in Chicago. One after All In and one uh, after our appearance on the Sunday afternoon before flying home. Uh, just love those folks, old school, a lot of wood, you know, a lot of dark wood, rich, it's just a real cool place. It's like you, back in the day, you'd see everybody, you'd walk in there and there'd be guys smoking cigars everywhere and everybody, nobody would be saying nothing. Pretty cool. So, uh, that was always a treat. Uh, I've, uh, I thought that the, as I mentioned, the undertaker and, and Shawn Michaels stole raw, they stole the show. They're so far ahead on making an emotional uh, uh, attachment uh, in making an emotional attachment than some of their peers, might I say most of their peers uh, on the on their team. It's not even funny. I mean, these guys are, what you'd say, over. They're really over. And it's a lot easier to support your, your, your guy if he's quote-unquote over, either as a villain or as a, as a hero. And to get over, you got to get on a roll. At some point, these guys have got on extended major roles, R-O-L-L-S, roles. So we'll see how that works out with the rest of the roster. But bottom line, HBK and Undertaker were amazing. And uh, I like the uh, talents doing those Skype vid- uh, videos or wherever they are. Uh, shows you what I know about it, nothing. Uh, I, the I like the predictions. I, I, I like to... I'd like to think I got a little background on that deal. You know, I, I call some some of those matches. I think just damn near all of them. And Bobby and those guys, maybe not all of them, but I bet you I've called vast majority. Uh, and uh, I got a little skin in the game. So uh, 
But in any event, I like the uh, I, I like the booking. I think I like the story. I'm interested in it, and now I want to see Shawn Michaels back in the ring. So, all good stuff there uh, in this uh, Sovereign Africa Week effort. Uh, I mentioned Ziggler and, and McIntyre. Good choice by WWE if they're going to be rebuilding the tag team division. If they're going to be used as a building block or the, a part of the foundation for regenerating meaning in the tag team division, where those tag teams can sell more tickets, more pay-per-views, more merchandise, then I'm all for it. So uh, Chris Jericho, another candidate for the uh, – Slava Knocker of the Week, he met a, he, he surprised everybody. And uh I think he I think he flew private I think he flew privately to uh, some place to do a, a Fozzie show later that night. That's just Chris, man. He's ubiquitous and fearless. And I love the fact that uh, he attacked Kenny Omega. He shot an angle unadvertised as a big surprise for his cruise. First time I could ever recall seeing an angle shot for a cruise. ChrisJerichoCruise.com if you're interested because there's less than 100 cabins available. And I'll be on there and hope you'll join me and about a million other people. It's going to be a lot of fun. Get, there'll be some selfies and some pictures and that could, that could, it, that could, all that cruise could, could maybe result in some of the most unique stories interaction between fans and, and the talents in years. I just hope it's not a floating plane ride from hell. I, I want to say that the Slobber of the Week Award goes to uh, the great team, Cody Rhodes and uh, the Young Bucks yeah! uh, put together. Conrad Thompson as well. Amazing stuff. I couldn't have been treated any better than I was in Chicago not only at the event uh, Saturday night that I only got to see a part of, but what I saw I loved. And uh, and then on Sunday for the meet and greet we had and uh, also the uh, little abbreviated Jim Ross show that you're going to be enjoying those interviews, I hope, here in a few moments. It was a great, uh, we had a great talk. And, you know, Cody's first interview since uh, he won the NWA championship just a whole lot of fun, but a lot of great team effort. If I were these dudes, I'd have this. This would be an annual event. It'd be one year until we had another one. And I, my goal would be to make it better. And as more, and every time you do something like this, you always look to see how can we make it more customer friendly? How can we be more fan friendly? How can we do that? What are the ways that we can do that? And that's not making a, a underscoring a lot of uh, unsatisfied wrestling fans. I'm not saying that at all. But your goal, if you're in that world, is to always continue to enhance and evolve the process uh, and the experience, more importantly, of your fan base, i.e. those that buy a ticket. So the Slobber Knocker of the Week goes to the great team that did All In and StarCast in Chicago, the most amazing success story, perhaps of all time, in pro wrestling. No pet raccoons are overdosing here. Ten boards. Well, it is Pet Coon Goofy Award time, ladies and gentlemen. I do want to remind you, if I may, uh, that uh, if you're an Amazon Alexa user out there, you want to you, you enable the skill by saying, Alexa, enable the Jim Ross Report skill. 
After that, you're in business. You don't do that. Just simply say, Alexa, play the Jim Ross Report, and you're there. Now, if you're a Google Home user out there in the hinterlands of the world, you just got to say, okay, Google, talk to the Jim Ross Report. Or you could say, okay, Google, speak to the Jim Ross Report. You get the message. And uh, makes it might make it a little easier for you. Even when you're traveling, especially when you're traveling or you're driving, you'll hear some good audio. It's a slobber knocker audio. Well, there are a lot of uh, pet coon goofy candidates that we could go to. I, we've narrowed them down here. I thought that Nick Saban kind of bailed himself out by apologizing to Maria Taylor. I saw that uh, soundbite after the game. You know, uh, Nick is hes a competitive son of a gun. He likes Nick, too. Nick likes him some Nick. And, and by God, why not, right? Uh He's got the best college football program in America based on wins and losses right now. National championships. That's kind of what they base all these things on, right? But I think he did the right thing, but, man, he's got to loosen up. You know, it's like Warren Oates said to somebody in stripes, loosen up, Francis. Loosen up, Nicky. So, uh, but that's some Michigan coach football now. Woo. And he can, he'll give you a good deal on Mercedes. He has two Mercedes dealerships. I think that's really cool. So Nick got hot on the collar. He's made an apology. I hope everything is okay. Unless somebody's going to continue to say the apology isn't enough. So hopefully it will go away. I, I just thought he was a little – if he had lost in that – he had lost and had that demeanor, I could kind of get that. But, hell, he won the game. Certainly another candidate for this esteemed award, the Reverend Charles Ellis III. Uh, he kind of made a fool of himself, in my opinion. People have picked up on it. It's not a secret. Uh, on stage, when he introduced uh, the lovely and talented Ariana Grande and said that her name sounded like something on the Taco Bell menu. I didn't, I didn't think that was even funny. And then... Uh, how the the Reverend Charles Ellis the Third, uh, how he held the young artist, was somewhat uh, disconcerting and borderline disgusting. It's just amazing. The Reverend Charles Ellis the Third uh, has apologized, as he should. Way to go, Reverend. And uh, the Pet Kungufi Award, kind of a, on a lending, ending this on a light manner, because it really is done for fun, and it may not be your cup of tea. But the uh, Penis Druids are this week's Pet Kungufi Award winners. Uh, they were involved in the presentation in, in the Joey Ryan match. I, by the way, I've met Joey. He's a, he's a hell of a nice guy. Smart kid, too. Uh, he's got a shtick that is unique. It is involving penis. And sometimes, as Vince McMahon told me many years ago, Jr., you got to know your audience. Because sometimes I'd go on a filibuster, or I would have a, you know, pissing contest and a meeting type deal. And Jr., you got to know your audience, and he's right. So consequently, my point is, if you have an audience that has an ample amount of females, no matter if they're all tattooed and wearing t-shirts, black t-shirts, it doesn't matter. They're still ladies. 
You know, they're still ladies. They're, they're expressing themselves in their attire and in their tattoos for that matter. I love that freedom of expression, but the issue is they're still ladies until they prove they're not, but they're still ladies. And I don't know if that plays well. And especially if they got their children with them and you got little boys or little girls that mom or dad got to explain mom and dad, what's that? So I thought it was, that might've been a little bit of a, a little bit of a bad fit. Uh, but maybe I'm overreacting. I have read it online. I have heard about it. I didn't get there in time to see the, uh, uh, the March of the penis. I always miss the good stuff. Uh, Mr. Barnett, did you see it? Oh my God. Well, it was a hit for a lot of people, but I just thought it might be something you'd rethink if you went to a broader stage or uh, something along those lines. And I, and it's not discounting the abilities of, of, uh, uh Joey Ryan whatsoever. The guy's got to make a living folks. He's got to make a living. Hey, I'm out there chasing it. And I cause I like it. I enjoy it. So let the man chase his money. And if you don't like the, the penis routine, don't watch it. So this week's pet can give you award in a nice tongue and cheek way. The penis druids from all in. Because you are one lousy son of a. Oh, no! I mentioned earlier, uh, very excited about you guys hearing this, uh, these two conversations I had one, uh, with, uh, Ray Mysterio and the other with Cody Rhodes. Uh, on this past Sunday, and uh, really interesting conversation. Uh, I still believe that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that Ray is WWE bound. I think he'll be there sooner than later. Uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised as, as ubiquitous as Ray Mysterio is, and uh, as much demand as he's in. Don't be surprised that Ray Mysterio could be the kind of guy that would wrestle uh, something this fall for WWE. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom in January, then WrestleMania in, uh, in, in New York city in April. That's the kind of role he's been on. So we talked to Ray and then we talked to the new NWA champion. You hear some Q and A's in there. Uh, and certainly I want to thank Matt Stryker, who I always enjoy working with. He does a terrific job. You can always rely on Matt. He's a smart guy, even though his voice on this thing sounded like Dick, the bruiser, who for years I thought was a porn star, but he wasn't, he was a wrestler. So, uh, I want to thank Matt for his work. So I hope you enjoy this special presentation of ringside with Jim Ross. All right, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? First and foremost, something that was just said is incredibly important. Wrestling did change forever last night and has a lot to do with each and every one of you. So give yourself a round of applause. You're a part of history and keep the applause going. We want to give a special thanks to Conrad Thompson, who organized an amazing four days for all of us. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. I don't think any of us would be here if we didn't remember the sounds and the sights that this man's voice has accompanied. He is a Hall of Famer in three different halls of fame. Not just one, but three. Folks, do me a favor, please. Stand up. And join me in welcoming the one and only, good old JR, Jim Ross! Bum ba dum ba, bum ba da, bum ba dum. That's just the music for you. Can I use this? Is this on? That's on, sir. The house is yours. Good day, everybody. Glad you're here. 
All right, let's get some preliminaries out of the way. I got to see three matches last night because I went to the OU football game yesterday in Norman. Then I flew up to here. Who's booing the Sooners? You got to get your ass out of here any second. I, got, I know people here. And this is Chicago, you know. So I saw the last three matches. It's frustrating when you travel. Traveling's frustrating anyway, as many of you know. A nonstop flight from Oklahoma City to Chicago should have been about an hour and 40. But then when we got here early, which I thought, what's well, great, I'll get to see more of the show, the uh, lightning started. And they wouldn't let the ramp crew out there. So I'm sitting there following the event on Twitter. And I was driving, going, going crazy. It'd be like watching an OU game on Twitter. What happened next? They fumbled. The ball's fumbled. Who got it? So I was interested to see, and I was hoping to see Cody and, uh, and Aldis for the NWA title. But I missed that. I heard it was really, really good. And uh, I saw the, like I said, I saw the last three. Uh, just terrific. No, there's no, this, this show had a little bit for everybody on it. And I think that's what made this event partly, partly so great is because you almost got a buffet of things. That last match that our next guest is, uh, was a star in was a very uh, luchador-ish match. So if you're not a fan of that, you got a great illustration of what it's like why you might want to be a fan. So it's like a buffet to me. And, I, and I, as you can tell by looking, OJR likes a good buffet every now and then. <laughs> So uh, it, was just, it was just a fun thing, and, and I hope that the business can continue. But one thing I will say about this weekend, my observation would be that it's encouraging to me at my stage of life that our business is healthy. And what you guys did with your contributions, it is. The business is healthy. And for us old dudes that started out, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, I made more money in three days at the London Comic Con than I made my first year working for Leroy McGurk and Bill Watts. Three days. So I, I got a tag late in the game here. The business has gotten good. And so somebody said, when are you going to retire? I said, and do what? You can only go to so many football games. They're not going to play every day. So I asked Lawler the other day on our show. Lawler and I are doing a show on the road. And we did one at Rosemont Zaney's last week. <clears throat> and... Before we went out there, we were just shooting the breeze, catching up, talking about his son, Brian, first one thing and another. And I said, God almighty, how, long, how much longer are you going to do this? He said, it's a very good answer, until they stop booking me. How's that? So my deal is, somebody said, my kids asked this Friday night uh, when they came over for the, my ball game, our ball game. When, Dad, when are you going to start going on the road? When I stop getting booked. As long as somebody wants to see me, and talk to me. The great thing about the meet and greets, that I do my meet and greet a little different because I was late today, just got here, because I don't brush it through, because I enjoy the stories. I enjoy what I hear you say. What's your memories? You know, I, I don't have an issue being the voice of your childhood. I look at that as an honor. I go tongue in cheek at sometimes, well, I hope that's not a curse for you. You can't get that song out of your head. So it's great to be here. We're gonna have some fun today. Unique venue, I'm, I'm kind of digging this deal. And uh, after we're done, I'll go back to my table and we'll have some sauce and some books and things. Drop by and say hello if you want to. But I'd like to introduce my first guest, if I may, a young man that I, I say is young. You saw him wrestle last night, you'd say the same thing. Uh, he wrestles just like he was 20-something again. He's an amazing athlete. And he really was a guy that was a forerunner to so many 
guys that are not 6'3 and 250 becoming stars. Not just being on the card and doing a great match before the main event or somewhere in the middle of the card to give the crowd a little life with a bunch of acrobatics and high spots. He, he got over. And sooner, sooner than later, he's working a main event at WrestleMania. I, I just have so much respect for him. We'll talk about those stories and how, how we got together. And he came to WWE, which I was very proud. I was very lucky. I was so good. I was in a good spot. Right place, right time to get a lot of guys spots and give them a chance. And that's, quite frankly, in our life, all you should ever want from anybody is a chance. You're not gifted a damn thing. And don't be a stereotypical millennial. Because us old guys don't owe you shit. So, uh, you can tell I get a little carried away sometimes. I'm not even drinking. It might be a problem. Does anybody have an extra Moscow mule on them anywhere? Let's bring up uh, this man as a Hall of Famer in so many places he will be. Uh, he, he's uh, got a, still got a great future. He's a big-time player. Big-time player. He's a brand maker. And he's my friend. Ray Mysterio. All right. How hey. you guys doing? What's up? What's up? What have you been doing lately? <laughs> Man, I've been I've been trying to eat healthy and staying in the gym and working out and spending time with my family. You know the good the good, good stuff. stuff. The good yes. stuff. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, there's just, there's a few questions that everybody's going to want to know. And you don't have to answer them. That's the beautiful part. Right. <laughs> I can look like a turd and ask them, and you ain't got to answer them. This, uh, so much speculation about the WWE side and going back and maybe finishing up there. Right. That's what I read. Right. You and I have not had one talk about this. No, nothing. no we haven't. We haven't. So uh, what is the lowdown on that that you can discuss? Of course. We started off with an with, uh, anonymous call in January coming back for the Rumble, which was a big surprise to a lot of the fans, because every time I do uh, signings, they uh, like, man, Ray, I did not expect to see you there. So I guess that worked out very well. And that just started the whole conversation about possibly making a return. We're still in the mix of that. Uh, we've been going back and forth, talking about possibly returning this month and this month. So the, the longer it extends, the more I keep getting work outside. That's my bread and butter. That's what I do for a living. So I'm just waiting for, for them to say now. And they say now, if the time is right, then let's go. Yeah, well, it's your, uh, your so much of your legacy, not all of it, because there's parts of you everywhere. Right. When you start wrestling for money at 14 years old or where the hell you were. Yeah, uh, at 14. Right? Yeah, I, I still have my first paycheck. It was 150 pesos, and it says 1989. Wow, a lot, guy, a lot of you guys weren't even born. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could top that. <laughs> uh, oh, not the, the pesos. I still get that figured out. But the '89 was a good year, by the way. Uh, but the, the so much of your persona, from the marketing side, the merchandising side, 
and the fact that you outgrew, and I'm using this term, you guys are getting it, I'm sure, you outgrew your role that you were brought in to do. You were brought in to be an attraction and to, and to build a brand for the Latinos to idolize. We needed, we needed Santo. We needed, we needed another mill. You know right, what I mean? Right. And we all believed that was, Vince and I believed that was going to be your shot. Right. But then this great thing that you overachieved and became a hero and a drawing card to every demographic. Little kids, big kids, ethnic groups of all colors. So uh, you got to feel proud of the fact that you crossed over and it's, you're not just a Latin star, you're a star. Thank you. Thank you, John. And you know what? You're absolutely right. I think we, as much as WWE, as myself, or even WCW, because that's where I really got my first big opportunity, we didn't know what was going to be ahead. We didn't know uh, what the reaction from the fans was going to be. Was I going to capture little kids, teenagers, adults, older uh, people? You know, so, so along the way, as, as I was just given the opportunity to wrestle, to perform on a big platform, I just did what I love to do. Never was concerned about the money, never was concerned about who I was wrestling. I just wanted opportunities, and I think that's what most of us want. I just heard you a while ago that everybody should get a shot, yep. you know, and I got that shot, and I took advantage of it, and I ran with it, and look sure. at all this that came out. You sure did. You ran with it well. I, I, every time I see Ray and, and, and we get a chance to, to talk to each other, it's not that many times a year uh, because schedules and he's geography. He lives in San Diego and I live in Oklahoma and you can't get there from here. Uh, so, uh, but we talk about oftentimes and laugh about the fact that when I was in charge of the talent roster at WWE at the time and Ray had just, he was under contract to the soon to be defunct WCW. But Time Warner owed him a bunch of money, a bunch of money. And he got paid every week. And this, he got several months left on that deal. We had a big show, was it the, at the Staples Center? Staples Center, I remember, yeah. yes. So I remember the room, I remember Ray coming back in our little makeshift office I had for talent relations at all these venues. Cause you know, when you go to, when you're head of talent relations, you have to have an office because big, tough wrestlers don't want anybody seeing them cry. Because they've always got a dilemma. A dilemma. It's a dilemmatless business. And uh, then when the women came in to the locker room, and they weren't just Moolah's girls, no disrespect to Moolah, for God's sakes. I know Moolah longer than anybody in this room, I promise you. Uh, <laughs> But you know the, the complexion kept changing, and insecurities kept coming about. So they, they'd bring Ray back, and I don't remember who it was, and we sat down and start talking. And our 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 decision collectively was, you know what you ought to do? You ought to stay home, heal, spend time with your lovely wife and your growing son, who's now six two or something, and his daughter, and uh, and and then and Jan. Where the next what the month was? I said, we'll hire you that then. And we yeah, did. It was it was Something like January, that. then I think, I believe March or April. That's when we came by to the sign. Now I, I never told you this, Jr. But I thought that was your way of blowing me off and pushing me away, because <laughs> you told me to collect the money from WCW, and at the time I was collecting the money and I didn't have to work for it. I had already put in my work, so 
you just said, step back, wait. When the time is right, we'll sit down and talk. And that exactly happened, exactly what you said. So uh, again, you can complete the story because after that, we just came up with the, my first signing with, yep. with WWE. Yeah, it was a blessing for the WWE and us to get you on the team. Um, you, you, we talked just a second or two about your health. Anytime someone works your style, it's gonna be especially grueling. It's obvious why, because you're voluntarily leaving your feet on multiple occasions, on multiple nights during the year. And the odds of that you coming through unscathed, unbruised, unsore is minute. So, and your style has always been creative and, and athletic and you throw yourself around and now you're not the 20 something year old kid no more. So how are you, what are you doing differently in your training to extend your shelf life? I think the most important uh, part of my life change is my diet. I change my diet, I change what I eat, I take care of what I eat. My supplementation has a, is also a huge factor in how my body feels. I'm taking the right things to feel uh, strong, solid, uh, joint-wise, tendon-wise. I'm doing a lot of cryo chamber. I'm doing um, uh, PRP. So I've been staying on point with like the latest developments in, in just uh, an athlete's body, how to take care of it. And that's been helping me out tremendously. When I met you and you were in WCW, you were, you were not this lean. You are thicker. No. Yes, much thicker. Yeah, and thicker. Uh, you, I, you're better now, I think. I also have a, uh, a thyroid condition, which my body tends to um, lose weight very fast. So that, in a way, has helped me out to just stay leaner. How do I get that advantage. thyroid condition? <laughs> a matter of a touch. Just a touch. That's <laughs> All <right>. it. <laughs> All right. Next time you see me, I'll be like 180. <laughs> One cheek will be 180. <laughs> hey, oh, well, so what on your diet, what did you cut out of your diet primary? What are the main things you stopped eating to accomplish your goal here? Well, what I'm, what I'm doing now is the prep meals. It's, and that, that is actually just helped me out not having to eat fast food, not having to eat uh, hotel food. I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying that. Now I'm, I'm eliminating all the greases, you know, all the butters, all of that stuff, the bread. Uh, and I'm just, I'm eating more vegetables, more ground beef, more uh, ground turkey. Uh, you know, I'm trying to, try, just trying to stay as lean as possible without having to use those extra condiments or uh, carbohydrates. Are you, uh, so you're, are you watching the carbs and are you eating more meals a day as well? There's occasions where I, I eat five meals a day there's occasions where I eat three meals and two shakes from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. Um, now, the other thing that's been helping me out a lot is, is doing my cardio uh, fasting. So I wake up, the first thing I do is go do my cardio 30 minutes. I come home, drink my shake. Two hours later, I have my first meal. And it's every three hours after that, every three hours. There's structure in your diet. And I think that's what kills a lot of us is, you know, we, I've, been on, I've been on a lot of diets for like two days, and I got bored. Oh, I need a I need a apple fritter. <laughs> and they're not that big today. I just get a couple of these babies. 
And I'll have a shake too, a chocolate shake. <laughs> so whipped cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was looking back. Raphael Morphy gave me some information on you, and I that I I knew most of it, but looking at it in the one page of all the things you've done this year, and where you've been, the shows you've worked on, I don't know if anybody in the business ever has hit all these major events, these different promotions in one year, one calendar year, like you have. Was that by design or is it, is it work out that way? Or what do you think happened to, to create that? I think God put me in this position to, to be where I'm at now. I've, I've been very blessed throughout my career, JR. And, and to, to be able to start off a year with the rumble, unexpected, and then moving on to the greatest Royal Rumble, and then still, uh, for the first time, doing my, my show in New Japan, which that was checked off from my bucket yeah. list. I've never been there before, and I was very excited and pleased to have been there for the very first time. And, you know, the year's not over yet, so. All right. <laughs> all in, last night. That's it, man. I mean, History. You, all of them, you've done them all. I, I'm, I've just felt like I've been in the right place at the right time. You know, somebody was talking about your, uh, you talk about in my world back in the day, you, when you talk to people about your job, you oftentimes talk about business stuff that's not, that's kind of mundane, but it's, it's necessary to talk about. So some, we were talking, I said, I said, man, Ray must have a hell of an agent. Because there's a lot of paperwork goes along this deal. Travel and licensing and medicals and all this stuff. And they said, well, you know who his agent is, don't you? I said, no. And he said, does a lot of his consulting things. It's Conan. And I said, it makes all the sense in the world. I'll tell you, Carlos is one of the smartest guys I've ever talked to about the wrestling business. If I had a wrestling company and I owned it, so don't hold your breath on that one, by the way. <laughs> I ain't Conrad. I'm not that organized. And I sure as hell probably don't have his patience. Uh, but I, I just, uh, every time I talked to him, I got a, a different perspective of the business that I hadn't really, I looked at, not looked at, or taken for granted. So it, he's, uh, he's gotta be a big help to you. He knows what you're worth. From day one. Oh yeah, day from, one. From day one, from day one. I don't forget that, and I, and I never will. Uh, we were actually conversating about something very similar last night how people just tend to forget who helped them get to the top or get to where they're at. You know, and, and Conan was a big factor for me. He, he was the one that opened up the doors, not just in ECW or in WCW, but from day one. He's the first one that saw me and brought me over to Mexico City at the age of 17 years old, you know, and, and helped me push through the four years that I spent in Mexico, helping me get better. I didn't know how to punch. I didn't know how to kick. He said, he told me several times, if you don't know how to punch, they're gonna send you back home. Yeah. You know, they don't, you look, you look small already, so you have to make it look effective, aggressive. So he, he was always in my ear, always in my head. And what can I do now? I can help him make a little something yeah. with what I do, you know? So he, he's a friend for life. He's my brother for life. That's an honorable man, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear it for Ray Mysterio. Uh, at Ray Mysterio on Twitter. You guys don't know all that. Are you, uh, 
Where you, where's your next stop, might I ask? My next stop, um, Comic-Con, coming up in uh, Pittsburgh. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot of those recently. Yeah, they're fun, aren't Last, they? Oh, they are I fun. I like them. They're a lot of fun. I did a meet and greet earlier today. I had a blast. Yeah. I slow, I was, like I said, I was slow, but I just, <laughs> the great thing about being getting older, you can blame every damn thing on your age. You bump into a woman in the elevator, hit her boob. Oh, sorry. I... No, I didn't. You have a conversation with yourself. Hey, this old man's crazy. Let's get out of this damn elevator. Uh, well, I enjoy the Comic Cons too. I enjoy this guy. His work has always been wonderful. His work last night was great. And don't kid yourself, there's a lot of younger dudes in that match last night that was a thrill of their lifetime to work with him in the last match of the biggest show. That's Ray Mysterio. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. All right, uh, the show will roll on here, believe it or not. I see Conrad limping and scurrying around back there. I think Cody's, Cody Rhodes is, can, I don't know if I can call it, what, what name does he use? God almighty, is somebody gonna sue me? Cody Rhodes, Cody Runnels. Uh, where's Matt Stryker? <laughs> I was going to see while we went on Cody to arrive, which uh, I was going to see we did some Q and A's. Well, you know, so I got a question for you. All right. All right. So you have seen arguably some of the greatest. NWA World Heavyweight Championship titles change hands. Where does last night rank in your memory? Well, because uh, Cody's dad and knowing he was watching, I could feel that. You guys knew him, you'd feel it too. There ain't no country song here. I ain't Toby Keith. I felt it. The whole build. I felt it for weeks. So I understand how Dusty would have perceived this whole event how proud he would have been of everybody involved. Uh, it, was, it was really significant. It's funny that I'm, I'm going to tell you that probably the two most memorable NWA title defenses and changes for me both happened in Chicagoland, ironically. 89, Flair and Steamboat, UIC Pavilion. Pretty good match, by the way. Pretty good match. They only had three of them that year that were you know, I don't know what they, how many stars they got, but probably 80 <laughs> and a half. I like those stars that Dave does. He says, I'll give that match four and one quarter star. What they do to screw up that one quarter? I mean, did they, <laughs> they miss a flip? Uh, but the Flair and Steamboat was magical, Matt. And uh, last night, because of the crowd, and so many of you are there, you, you, that was something you wanted to see. You were all emotionally invested in the, in the match. And they used the uh, NWA title as, a, as it should be used, as a, a, a standard bearer. But they made the angle personal. It doesn't, personal doesn't always have to be, I'm mad at you and you're mad at me, so you know, I'm going to bitch, I'm going to dog cuss you, you dog. That's one way of doing it, and it happens and it works. But being personal is like Cody had a mantra. He had a mission. His dad's legacy. 
the fact to be this NWA champion was a personal deal. That became a personal issue. And I'll say this very day, guys, I might be wrong. I think there are too many titles in wrestling. I think they've been watered down a great deal. And he agrees, smart young man. And that personal issues are what draws the money. When we care about somebody strongly enough that we feel they're in jeopardy, that they're gonna get hurt, they're gonna get disappointed, then it means something. It means a whole lot more. So- uh, All right, you wanna take some questions from the crowd yeah, as we yeah, wait for absolutely. our next guest? Hell Throw yeah. your hand up and I'll come and find you. All right, that's not necessarily throwing it up. It's kind of just doing that. You're going to have to do better than that. High up there. All right, what's your name, where are you from, and what's your question? Uh, Ryan from New Orleans. Uh, what do you think Vince's reaction is going to be when he finds out about uh, Jericho popping up last night? I don't expect him to have any reaction. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a good no-seller. And quite frankly, he's got a lot of fish to fry these days, you know, with everything they're doing. Uh, he's competitive, maybe a, a lot of fire, I don't know. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's gonna be anything near the uh, magnanimous reaction that some people believe it could be. The veins popping out, red face, Yosemite Sam. I don't, I don't think that's gonna happen. All right. Look, he's got, did you see, how many, see what that stock was trading for last week? Yeah, it's up to almost I don't 90. think he really gives a shit about all that. <laughs> do you still have your stock options at nine? Yeah, well, you maybe. do. <laughs> all right. What's your name, where are you from, and what's your question? Hey, I'm Tyler from Northern California. Uh, first, I want to say last night was amazing. I think we all had an amazing time there. It was so much fun. And at the end, you know, Cody and everybody was letting us know that we were part of the reason why this happened, that people in the auditorium were the people that it happened. Something in the back of my mind, though, makes me feel like the show was cut short in favor of the people watching at home and not the people that were there. And I don't know if anybody else felt that way or if you have any feeling about so that. So you thought four hours is not long enough. <laughs> well, they, they committed to a television event. That's how they, and even though you guys paid your, your tariff to get in the door and get a ticket, they ain't going to make no profit on the gate. Not with that overhead. They got to sell pay-per-views. And I heard they did an amazing job. I think the fight people, fight app people, uh, are ecstatic. They can't believe how much over the event delivered. So it looks like there's going to be something on that side, which is what they had to have. They took, on a, they took on a whole new event, and they made a whole new event. And now they've, they've got the, the, the pattern laid to do this once a year. And so somebody said, well, they should do it more than that. Maybe they should. I'm not the marketing genius. Some of you may be, but I see this being very special if it's once a year. I can see them refining it, enlarging it, you know, tweaking it. All the things, facility-wise, there's a whole learning experience. But it was a great experiment. So I, I loved it. I think that the, well, I think it's a once-a-year deal. But I can understand that. I, I can just feel that. The last match was cut from 28 minutes to 12. And that's because some guys before them were trying to get their own shit in, and they went over. And it's not funny, really, because all they did was rob the main events and the other matches later on of time. And those matches are in those spots for a reason. 
I just found that to be selfish and a lack of, a not professional. So better they work for these guys than work for me because I, I get crotchety. <laughs> what are you thinking? All right, next question comes from over here. Please stand up. Face that camera right there. And, of course, very quickly, we all want to say thank you to Fight TV for bringing the world this amazing, amazing event. What's your name? Where are you from? And what's your question, please? Hey, I'm Randy. I'm from Indianapolis. JR, thanks for coming out to join us today. Throughout your career, you have had dozens, maybe hundreds of different broadcast partners, some that we are really, really familiar with, like Jerry Lawler or Tony Schiavone. Who is someone that you have worked with in your career that we that you really enjoyed whose work we might not be familiar with or that we might not expect that you really had a great time calling matches with? <clears throat> he, didn't, he didn't ask me about the well-dressed part. <laughs> it's nice you to dress up today, Matt, too. I always appreciate your professionalism. His I'm voice a man is, of the people. His voice is starting to sound like uh, Dick the Bruiser, <laughs> who for many years I thought Dick the Bruiser was a porn star. Until I met him, and he was just dick. Uh, Bob Cottle would have to be on that list. And if you lived in the Carolinas, you would have known that Bob Cottle was the voice of Mid-Atlantic Wrestling for many years and was an amazing broadcaster. He was a legitimate broadcaster. He just wasn't a wrestling guy. You know, he did weather. He did news. He, he, he worked for WRAL Television, Channel 5 in Raleigh. So he's a major player in that market, and he, and he but he loved wrestling, and he got good at it. So when I started working there, uh, in for Crockett, they they uh, the first assignment Dusty gave us was with Tony and I together, and everybody was worried about well, two play-by-play -play guys can't coexist, which is the biggest fallacy in the world. That's like saying Ronda Rousey doesn't deserve a push because she she hasn't paid her dues. Where in the hell is the list of dues? Has anybody got the list of dues? Can you just text them to me, tweet them to me, Facebook me? I don't give a shit. Any of that's fine. That's, there's no rules like that. So I said, well, I can do, Tony can be the, Tony leads us in and Tony gives us a break. And in between, we just volleyed back and forth. It worked. It worked. So you can work with anybody if you just listen. That's the key thing about commentary. But Bob was really good, very underrated. So I made, I, when, I has, when I attained a little bit of influence there, I made Bob my partner. And that's like when I made Paul Heyman my partner in WCW, long before we worked together in WWE, the year that Jerry took his sabbatical. Uh, and, and the booking committee says, what are you thinking? He's going to kill your career. And, but I made them happy because it took him off their hands, him being Paul, because he was a... A wonderful pain in the ass. He had better ideas than the booking committee, and they didn't want to admit that. Because unless you haven't heard this deal, guys, there are those in the wrestling ministry are somewhat egocentric. Okay, you're ringside with Jim Ross. What's your name? Where are you from? What's your question? Thank you, Jim, for coming uh, to Chicago. My name is Jake, and I'm from uh, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I really loved your autobiography. Thank you. Uh, that was released last year. Uh, so my a couple uh, couple questions here. Um, what what do you believe was the hardest uh, part in uh, the hardest aspect in writing your autobiography? And do you have any updates on part two? Yeah. Well, thank you for liking it. Uh, that book has been on the on the number one in Amazon's in the category for eighteen months. It's amazing. Yeah, 
And uh, I, the quick story on that deal, you know, my wife Jan got killed on March 23rd, 2017. And Paul O'Brien and I were just finishing the book. And this is after losing my first writing partner, Scott Williams. And then Jan gets killed, you know, about 30 seconds from our garage. And uh, man, I lost a lot of steam. I just really, I just, uh, but she was such a driving force in writing the book, being honest. I never talked about my prescription medication issues to anybody, anybody. And it's something we talked about, because we thought, well, people can see you're human. They can see sometimes you can get knocked down to a knee. Now, God, I've been knocked down. My knees are so scraped and scar tissued up. I've been knocked down a lot. But here's the other issue. I got right back up, just like that. And we can all do that to that degree. Mentally, spiritually, physically, whatever it may be, get back up, right? But the book was uh, the hardest part of the book. Well, first of all, my dad told me when I was going to quit the ninth grade football team and just play on the varsity because I thought I was a big stud at Westville, Oklahoma High School, where I graduated with 60 kids. It's like Mayberry. That uh, I said, I'm going to quit the, high school, the ninth grade team just to play on the varsity because I thought I had this you know, NFL career looming. Another fantasy world I lived in. Roller derby, pro wrestling, and me playing pro football. All fantasy. <laughs> so, uh, uh, my dad said, well, you're not gonna, if you're gonna quit the ninth grade team, your buddies you rode the school bus with, have been standing these sleepovers, all these are your pals, then I'm gonna take, you're not gonna play varsity football, because son, here's the deal. And I'll tell you guys this, if you don't remember anything else today, there's two things I wanna leave you with here today, and I'm not quite done, but, one is quitting is the easiest thing in the world to get good at. Really is. Quitting is the easiest thing in the world to get good at. And uh, so I, I remember that. And I snapped out of my feel sorry for myself mode and I became a man again or an adult again and, and dropped a set and finished the book. But the hardest part is the audio book was the hardest part. I just... Uh, Man, I, and instead of just reading the words that we wrote, I was seeing these scenes. I saw these things. And a lot of them were, had to do with, with, with my wife, Jan. It was just, uh, it was hard. And I cried a lot during the reading of this book. I, I didn't, it, wasn't, it didn't make air. My ego would not allow that. And I, so I said, we all have massive egos to some degree, unfortunately. But I, I uh, had to work hard to get through it. But now it's been, the, the audio book's been critically acclaimed. It's been it's so great. People like it. Uh, and the second book, we just signed a contract about a week or 10 days ago, something like that, with, with Paul O'Brien, who lives in Ireland. And he's extremely talented. The Blood Red Turns Dollar Green books are amazing. So we're, we're planning. We're already off and running on this thing. We've, we've got to billboard it out chronologically from where I left uh, WrestleMania with Rock Austin one forward, and then this forward coming forward is going to have uh, well the me teaming with Vince and, uh, and and Lawler, then Lawler and myself, uh, Lawler, uh, me and Paul, Paul and I, uh, which is very big to me. Working with Paul Heyman was really exciting, and we'll do that again someday. Mark my words, somewhere. And um, the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars, 
the original incarnation of the XFL. And my role in the XFL, man, you talk about somebody working every day. But I was, can you imagine a fat guy from Oklahoma getting to eat all the catering he wants, watch, get paid for calling football games and wrestling? If they had a roller derby like on Wednesday, I'd have been in hog heaven, man. I'd had it all. The trifecta, baby. So that's, uh, that book's going to have a lot of stuff. It's also, unfortunately, going to have well, it's gonna my two more bouts of Bell's palsy. So if I took pictures of you guys today and I didn't smile, you know why. I like seeing you, but I can't smile. Uh, and uh, my wife Jan's death. So this next book has got a lot of heavy-duty stuff. Me being moved from raw, unannounced, un unknown to SmackDown in 2008 in San Antonio, and I still remember it. It wasn't a great day for me. And I, and I also didn't handle it well. Taught me another lesson. Don't get so full of your own shit that you believe the show can't go on without you, because guess what? It can, and it does. So all a growing period. I think you'll like the second book. I got to make sure we got a lot of funny stuff in there because some of those topics are kind of, kind of, I don't want to say morbid, but they're going to be kind of serious. So we hope the target date is target is uh, December of or Christmas time, holidays of next year, 2019. Okay. In the meantime, if you haven't bought my book, Slavern, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'll gladly sell you one today at the table, the gimmick table. There you go. All right, we have another question. You're ringside with Jim Ross. What's your name? Where are you from? And what is your question, please? Uh, I am uh, Robert. I'm from uh, Bloomfield, Indiana. And uh, I do play-by-play -play on the independent circuit from time to time. I, uh, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, last night I saw moves in the ring that were going so fast and that I had never seen before in my life. When you run into that situation when you're calling a match, how do you handle that and how do you research maneuvers that you've never seen? Well, Robert, uh, if some, some uh, New Japan fans think I don't do a very good job of that. And uh, they have the right to their opinion. I just don't choose to agree with them. It's hard. This, the, the one thing about wrestling at a fast pace is that you don't allow your audience time to process what they have just seen. And it's a series of... I said this to somebody that maybe today. To me, a wrestling match has got to have peaks and valleys. It's got to get you up there and almost, uh, uh, you know, you, you got to have some, you got to have some of this. And sometimes in the high spot matches that are really bump, 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 it's the, the music track is like, mm, mm, mm. it's it's there, it's static, because it's all same same piece, same pace, same speed. So I don't try to call all those moves because it, it would clutter up the broadcast. It would sound, it sounds stupid if you try to call every single spot. We are doing television. If you're vision impaired, then I'd probably give you a short change in that. Don't call this all the spots that are bing, 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 bing. I'd rather hear the, the, the canvas, the turnbuckles, the ropes, the chops, the guttural reaction, and you, the fans, and what you respond to it. The one thing I, I, I did a podcast the other day with Don Callis, and he said the one thing he learned from me a long time ago was it's not, don't be embarrassed to lay out and let your ambiance and the wrestler's ambiance tell the story. Then you embellish it. What we have always done as wrestling announcers is, should be this story of we are the 
providers of lyrics to the music that a wrestler makes. It starts with the music. It doesn't start with the lyrics in this scenario. That's how I've always looked at my job. And laying out is not a bad thing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now the moment we've all been waiting for. Get your phones out because this is history. It's his first official appearance as the brand new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Please give a warm welcome, Cody Rhodes! And his special guest, Pharaoh! I like the boots. Where did you get that given? The boots. Oh, the boots. <laughs> I, think you, I think you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Are they maybe the Austin Hall Boot Company? Oh, man. You, uh, a lot of people don't know this. On the side of my tights, they think it's a Phoenix design, like a Phoenix. It's the Austin Hall Eagle. <laughs> and you could tell that. I say all the time, oh, it's the Austin Hall Eagle. And it's not... Many folks who do know what it is. The Austin Hall boots, you tell them, man. Austin Hall boots are uh, they're boot makers that made a lot of the boys' boots, but none more famous than the Dream. So all those cowboy boot wrestling boots he had, and all those guys that wore Barry Wyndham wore them back in those days, some. Uh, Barry, Dustin. Yeah, uh, a lot of guys. But uh, Dusty yeah. started that whole thing, and that was good stuff. Austin Hall boot company. Look them up sometime. Google them, kids. They were just boots with flat soles, right? And the, <laughs> a little more comfortable for yeah. wrestling in, I guess. So how do you feel today? Oh, I I, I was doing a, a podcast earlier, and the best way I could describe it is yeah, I didn't get a chance to sleep, and I went right to uh, Gorilla after... Uh, after my match, and I, I directed and, and timed the last half of the show, and not the best timer, if judging by the main event time, but <laughs> I'm learning. Um, but uh, I didn't get that moment to, I didn't get many moments. It was just happening so fast. But the thing I remember and how I feel right now is the same way I felt last night. I just, I don't want this weekend to be over. You know, this, this has been so much fun, right? Did you guys have fun? Yeah. <laughs> wanted to be over you know you know the uh after the after the smoke clears as they say down the alamo uh, people are going to be wondering when's the next one it's always the same deal and of course the great here's the thing about back in the you know i see these tony career stories you know back in my day the sheep were afraid of me no uh it's a New Zealand thing. I'm what sorry. a set of hair on Tony Gurria, by the way. What's that? His hair. Oh, yeah. What a set of hair. It's on Look steroids. At... Oh, God. He's got steroid hair. Anyway, uh, back in my day, I'm just saying that when we were doing Raw every week and the, and the 83 weeks that we're getting our ass kicked by WCW, it was like you get the ratings at by noon on Tuesday, and that's the last time you talk about Monday. Everything was looking forward. So I go to the TV and talk to the guys. We're going to turn this thing around. Because the boys in both companies are shooting the breeze with each other. And the WCW guys are laying it in to the WWE guys because we're beating your ass on the ratings. 
So you just got to keep chopping wood. So you had no time to enjoy And then when we have a great rating, it's the same story. It's the same scenario. Well, Tuesday, you got to start thinking about the next show. So you got 24 hours to celebrate. So I'm telling you, from my personal experience, you got about 24 hours, maybe 48 of a, a little bit of a uh, clemency. And then the pressure's going to be on. We've got to start planning. I promise you that's what's going to happen to you. Because you, you can't help it. It's in your blood. Well, maybe we already started planning. <laughs> What did you, looking back, thinking about this event, what did you learn the most about put it, uh, in, in, the, in the context of promoting an event of this nature? What did you learn the most about? Time management, budgeting, uh, what? It's probably time management. Um, to come at it from the standpoint of a uh, competitor, performer, and then doing producing it, I had to, uh, like, I kept writing these lists. My, my dad was a big list guy, and I've become a big list guy, too. I kept writing these lists that these are the things you need to do to make sure you're in peak condition and then to make sure you're also in peak mental state and to make sure you paid this guy and talked to this guy. I also learned I wanted to do every single thing with this show. I wanted to do payroll. I wanted to know elements of the production. I wanted to know how many chairs were in the union catering room. Just next time, I don't need to know all that stuff. Uh, I learned that I, I, you're only as good as the team around you. And we've, uh, we've discovered some new teammates over the course of this weekend. I'll give you a good example. Atlas Security is unreal. Ooh. Those guys handled, they were utility men. They were not just security, but they, they handled things that needed to be handled uh, when we couldn't. And just, I mean, something as simple as how do we get Magnum through the crowd to greet his daughter at the bottom of the steps? And how do we create, how do we get that moment? And they, they knew, where, knew what to do. And uh, yeah, so we, we picked up some teammates, some good teammates. You hit the nail on the head about the crew around you. Everybody's got to have their... That's why in every major change of administrations, whether it be politics, which we're not going to talk about here today, uh, and uh, that was it, by the way. If you're looking for politics, you just got it. Uh, at least while I'm up here. Uh, but you, you find that people gravitate to those they can trust. But at some point in time, when you start out, it's kind of the guys you like to be around. And he's got a good head for the business. Then it's like, well, I, can, I know, but I also not can trust him. But at the end of the day, when you, do, when, you, when you fold the laundry, did the person produce? Did they deliver? Did they do their job? And I know, working with Dusty's dad so, so many years, he used to give me copies of his book to write TV off of. The format, the, the official format. He's already done, the creator's done. And people said, I didn't know Dusty could write in kayfabe. I said, what? Well, I was looking at your, your, on your desk, you got, you got a Dusty's, that's Dusty's writing, right? I said, first of all, what are you doing looking at my desk? And secondly, yes, that was Dusty's writing. He said, I didn't know he could write in kayfabe because sometimes he'd write in cursive and sometimes he'd write with pit and, and whatever. And then the whole little deals and that. He, personality, his personality was all over his writing and his pencil. Think about how that, was, how that worked out. I loved it. So he was, uh, but I see that whole thing here with you guys. You're going to have to, I can't wait to what's going to come next. And I'd like to be a part of what comes next at some point in time. 
Absolutely. I, it's funny thinking about his writing. Yeah. It's, I don't know if you've seen anything. Um, you know, I have some of his uh, booking journals. We were talking about, me and Conrad were talking about what's in these booking journals. And for a guy who got thrown out of like four colleges, he has this like m- unbelievably eloquent handwriting. And I, I don't know where, it, he, I didn't get it. None of the others got it, but yeah, it's really crazy when you think about how just he was can, a vision guy. I have an you know? answer to that question. Yeah, yeah. I said I've asked him that question, and once you get him rolling, he would say, "I always want to be a star, baby." So I practiced signing my autograph. <laughs> As a young guy, he would sign his name because he knew somewhere down the road something told him. He was going to be the American dream of some shape, form, fashion, name, whatever. That was the whole deal. And I'll tell you, not nearly to his level, I had the same deal. I wanted to get off that damn farm so bad in Oklahoma, and I loved the wrestling. And I, wrestling was my wrestling was gifted to me by my dad. If I did all my homework and did my chores on the farm, I got to watch an hour of wrestling. That's all I was on. So it was a, uh, it was a. Uh, I knew I wanted to leave. I didn't want to be Jay Clampus, you know, illegitimate cousin. So I practiced signing my name. I did it for years. When I was a kid, not having a clue where it was going to go. But Dusty's deal was definitely, he knew he was going to be a star, and a star has to have a great signature, if you will. <laughs> Kenny, I don't know if you guys heard Kenny Omega say, if you will, last night in the ring. <laughs> He really committed to it, which because we didn't have anything at the end of the night. One of our one of my favorite things was the whole reason this came about. And some of you have heard this, but the idea for I think we can do a bigger show, the a bigger bi- bigger building, mm-hmm. just came from doing twelve hundred, nine hundred seat stage AE small intimate settings, and what was happening at the end of every night, everyone was staying and nobody was leaving. So we would do just bits and comedy and something to send them home happy. And it became a big focus, like, yeah, yeah, that's great, last segment, but how are we sending them home happy? Um, And that was such a touching thing last night to see 10,451 people happy and staying in the arena and just uh, really, it's just eye-opening for perhaps what we can do now. What's the future, in your view? It's in your hands, literally, the NWA title. What's the, is there a short-term goal for the organization? And, you know, I know uh, Billy's done a great job yeah. of bringing life to this. He brought it back. And I think that's great because this is not easy to, re- to regenerate something that was really hot at one time, and then all of a sudden, what are out of that NWA title thing? It used to be, that was, the, that was what everybody, if you're a wrestling fan, when I was a kid, and a lot, when a lot of you were kids that are younger, that was the deal. That was because that champion traveled the world. That champion went to all the territories. It wasn't a regional territory like the WWF title. And I'm not belittling Bruno whatsoever. I love Bruno. I wish the rest of us had more people as honorable as him in it today. But what's the future of this, Cody? What are you, you going to? What's what do you want to do with it? 
Well, I want to uh, continue the path of the, the traveling champion. That's kind of what I grew up on, the type of wrestling I liked. Even though it's a generation prior to me, when I go back and look at, you know, what Flair was able to do, what Jack Briscoe was able to do, their date book alone, and not just, oh, I did it, but I did it and it was the best thing of the night. Like, I did it with consistency. But I, I have, um, it, it rubs some people the wrong way, and that's fine. Uh, I think most people enjoy it. I don't really believe in um, the politics of wrestling anymore. I, I understand if this isn't your company's title, but if you're asking me to come wrestle for your company, I'm wearing the damn title. There's no... The, right? It's... I, it's, it takes an organization, it does, to facilitate and get that ring set up, and it takes a crew to tighten those ropes, but we, um, a big focus last night was like, this is a uh, wrestling show by wrestlers, and yeah, there's some things we could have learned from, from a company standpoint, an organizational standpoint, but that's how I go into everything I do. When I go into Long Beach um, to wrestle Juice Robinson for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, I'll be wearing this too. I'm, I'm taking it everywhere I go, and uh, I'm excited to do that. I'm looking forward to that Long Beach event, by the way. I'm glad you brought it up. I think it's going to be uh, – I'm going to work Kevin Kelly on that show because Josh Barnett's going to be in Japan, ironically. One of his fighters is fighting Bob Sapp. Remember Bob Sapp, you guys? Whoa. And uh, it's something at Satama Super Arena. So D Josh had a uh, conflict – but I'm looking forward to working with Kevin. Kevin will do a great job, and I've worked with him a lot of times at WWE and before. And he knows infinitely more about, for those of you that send me your hate tweets, he knows, yes, he knows infinitely more about New Japan than I. Fully transparent here. But it doesn't, that, to me, that's not what's going to make the storytelling work. It's going to be what they, music they, they produce, and the lyric that I give that music that I hear. I got to hear their music. I got to feel their music. I got to experience their music. It's got to move me to give you a lyric or a sound bite. You know, you know everybody, I understand everything can't be uh, uh, for the love of God that he's dead or whatever I said about Mick. You guys know those lines better than I do. So, uh, but that's the deal, man. I'm, I'm, this is going to be a great card there. And, and, and Juice is a kid that's coming up. He needs, he has no excuse not to have a great match with Cody. No excuse. And when you get a guy in that position on national television that's finally getting his opportunity to be a player, what have you always wanted to be, Juice? I want to be a player. I want to be a man of that guy. I want to make more money. Great. We're all for all those things. So here's a match. You can start that. And he had a good match with, uh, in, in, in the Cow Palace, I thought. He's improved a hell of a lot. They had a great match in the Cow Palace. And they, uh, Juice is a uh... good hand. Juice is one of those, I guess, bet on yourself types, if you know the tale of Juice Robinson. I mean, not only did he leave the developmental system, he went an incredibly difficult path, a path he didn't have to go with the Young Lions path. And the Young Lions produce, if you look at the, the veteran talent on New Japan, they're, all of them have been Young Lions. What a, what a great model system that it's, it seems like it's too difficult to adapt yeah. to American style, but there's definitely a lot to learn from it. And it's one of my favorite parts when you go over there, the respect level 
is, is through the roof. Um, actually, this is funny. One of the young lions, he has an identical twin. Um, and so I see him backstage in Tokyo. And then I go, uh, I just was in Vancouver. I got to film uh, five episodes of Arrow this season. Um, and then I see him again in the, in the fictional prison yard doing pull-ups. And I, I thought, oh, I've been traveling too long. I, that, I know him. He, he, he's a young lion. He couldn't be here. I went over to him in such a small world. That's his twin brother. Yeah, so now I got to take care of that guy. Got to take care of him, yeah. So that's a great system. And Juice is a, it's a Wrestle Kingdom rematch uh, for him and I. And I understand there's a big difference between last night was the most I've, I've been in arenas with 80-something thousand people, but 80-something thousand people weren't cheering for me. Last night was the most connected I've ever been to you guys. And... Um, <laughs> but I... I know in Long Beach, because I have a pretty bad track record in Long Beach, I'm fully expecting to be booed out of the building in Long Beach. And uh, that's, our, that's, that, that's our relationship. I'm okay with it. But it's, uh, it's going to be a really good show. I just hope they connect the security railing. <laughs> I don't have to eat that again. The, hey, here's what's funny. You know, we think a lot of our, our friends and people we read about, and a lot of us have been reading about these... Uh, the dirt sheets and into the now online. Some of the most successful and brightest guys in that world thought that that bump, that whole spot was a work. It was a work. And I'll just give you, I, I respond, respond to one of them with this. Are you shitting me? <laughs> uh, so hopefully they'll hook off all the, all the security railings because at some point the boys have got to also be, understand that Doing it to me was one thing, because I'm not going to sue anybody. But somebody else is going to call 1-800-LAWYER and sue your ass. It's the way of the world, folks. So the talents have got to be respectful of the promotion. And so maybe that needs to be addressed. But last night, man, that, the thing about this show last night, I was, it took my breath when I got into the, to Conrad's suite, and all the goddamn food was gone. Everything. <laughs> I found a, I found a, a bun... I had a bun, relish, and mustard sandwich. What the hell's that? But here's what I did see. Here's what I, that warmed my heart. It should be a magnificent picture that you guys should, if you get a chance, you should have it. And that is the, the, uh, the, the look of, from up high, uh, the, the complete oval, and seeing not one empty chair, not one empty chair, Looking at ringside, how orderly these chairs were, how the, everything made rows. Old school wrestling set up. And the crowd was just, you guys look great there. So I'm thinking, man, the only other time I saw a picture like that, that, that moved me, was my first day on the job working for Leroy McGurk and the Big Cowboy. And they had a, they had a picture in the Tulsa Civic Center. It was a big building at the time, held about 8,000, 9,000. And the match, the referee who might have trained me, Leo Voss, was in the ring with the Kentuckians, Grizzly Smith, Jake the Snake's dad, and Luke Brown, big Kentuckians, big full beards. You know, they looked like they were always ready for their, uh, you know, lumberjack rules match, the plaid coach and all that crap, against the Assassins. 
And I will tell you to this very day, if you get a chance, go back and look at some old tape. Look at how the assassins gained eye contact on interviews and what they were looking at. They were looking at you and you and you. It's scary how good they were. And I don't know if they even realized how good they were. But that was the, they sold out that arena. The first time the arena had ever been sold out. And they, here's the Kentuckians, the old school. And the assassins and the referee in the middle. And they're not posing. They're doing business. And I was so struck by that uh, picture. Because you, you always start looking at what people are wearing. And, and here, you know, everybody's going to wear pretty much a black T-shirt. But have a few tattoos. I've got any tattoos today, so I'm kind of behind. But... I love that picture. The crowd shot is something that we all should have a piece of. That's a great memento. And because you've made history. You've made history. And here's the great thing about it. If we all live long enough, guess what? We get a chance to make history again. You, you can't get too much good stuff in your life, folks. I'm telling you. And this is good stuff. So did anybody... Play bigger than you, you knew they'd play big, but they played bigger last night than you envisioned. Pleasantly surprised. He, I know this guy's going to be good, but he went above and beyond. I, I thought the opening match, MJF, really stood out as somebody, like, he just really stood out as, I don't know, I, I, I don't feel like I'm ever in a position to say, like, hmm, He's got it. But it felt like one of those, like, hey, there's something. Yeah. There's something there. And uh, if you were, if we, you know, we're talking about planning or whatever, but literally just in your mind, if you're like, all right, what do you, what's the card if you do it again? I, I was thinking, well, if he's available, that, that's special. And that was cool to me because he's a young person, a, a young kid, an upstart. That, that's really important to have. Um, on an event like that. Same with I got to see Austin Gunn. I got to see Billy Gunn's son in the ring. <laughs> with It's just little moments like that. Marco Stunt. Did you guys, Marco? Oh, JR, you seen Marco Stunt? No, I, I didn't get here until the last three matches. That, ba that battle royal was one of the most yes. fun battle royals. Oh. Oh man, so fun! And that can be such a disaster. They can, and I, I, I held a little meeting, you know, and I didn't give many guidelines, but uh, we had an idea of what we we wanted to have these moments, and I feel like not only did they hit the moments we wanted, they hit moments we didn't know we wanted. Uh, Jordan Grace uh, fit right in, man. Just, just an ass kicker in there. She did so great. But I, I got to watch the whole show. I did prior to mine. I, we were getting ready, and then uh, I did the, the latter half of the show. And, um, yeah, I was uh, – I got to uh, – tomorrow I think I'm just going to watch it with actually Matt and Nick if they're not tired of wrestling at this point. And, uh, that can watch happen. It. Yeah, that can happen. Well, you, you, while you're watching, you're going you're gonna to be planning. There's an idea come out. We should do this better next time, or let's don't do that again, or whatever it may be. Yes, sir. I, I just said earlier before you got here that this was – Almost like an experiment. It was a, it was a calculated risk. Wrestling promoters have been playing the calculated risk card since I was a pup. That's a long time. And they're going to continue to play calculated risk. The only thing that's not a calculated risk now is selling out WrestleMania. That's almost you. Do, I don't know if you didn't have to name a match. You're going to sell all the tickets. So you hope that when the brand 
of all in comes back in your radar that you respond in kind, even if you can't make it to that city or where it's maybe here, I don't know, but I don't know anything about that. But wherever, if you can't make the live events and all the things going on, you can watch it on the fight app. Well, that was a hell of a deal. Did, did anybody get any feedback on the fight app, how that went? I, I, I know it did real well number-wise, so I'm very it, it happy. It did extremely, extremely well. They had a number in mind, and from what I understand, you guys beat that number by 10 times. I'm not at liberty to give away the number, but there are a lot of zeros yeah. involved there. Good. There's uh, Mike, Weber, Mike Weber from the fight, and the whole fight team. We had a discussion earlier in the week and that's where he got the number and then uh i was very pleased that was actually the, one of the only things feedback we got at dinner last night was oh here's hey we know this yeah this this worked that way and uh yeah man the longer you get Touching. in this you'll go to that number first right <laughs> what do you think of the card how do we do no what do you think of the matches how do we do it's all about how we did right yeah how do, how do we do listen uh, i'm proud of you a lot you know that and I told uh, somebody earlier, and I don't want to start crying here. I'm not going to do that. Oh, I cried all yesterday. It's okay. Uh, I felt your dad last night. Mm. Mm. Tough. <laughs> you you want to know you want to know where I where I felt him more was not uh, was not in the match. It's uh. When I put the headset on at Gorilla, that's where I felt them more than ever. And uh, I actually think that would have been the thing that excited him the most, to see me with a pencil writing times and, and giving orders, even though they were tired of hearing orders at that point. So that was the thing I thought, if he had been here, he would have thought this was really cool. Yeah. He was the best producer I ever had because he laid out. He knew, he, he had me prep before we ever stepped out there. And he was just, cause I could read that handwriting and I, and I, I could interpret what he wanted. That's what, a, that's what you do when you collaborate, the collaborative effort, the creative process. You have to be in an environment where everybody can share and can contribute. But you gotta have that one final, final, yes, no, we're doing it this way. And that was dusty. And he didn't do it in an abrasive way. You know, sometimes he let, he was, because he was a little bit of an outlaw, he'd kind of let things slide a little bit because he understood that you can't, let the, you can't stop with the horses. So you just got to let those son of bitches run. So uh, I, had, I, I felt him so strong there last night. And then I saw your mom today, and I felt it all over again. So it's, that, that's what I preach about emotional investments. That's why I'll always say I hope that all these cats like him can experience what I have where you have made that total emotional investment into the business that you love and will love till I die, and you think that you can give a little something back. And I, I, that's how I look at this, all in is giving something back. Folks, there's an old saying in our sport, to leave them wanting more. We have to wrap this up right now. How about a round of applause for Cody Rhodes, Jim Ross, Jan Ross, Dusty Rhodes and Pro Wrestling. You know, I got very emotional in that uh, interview with Cody because I, I just felt the presence of the dream, the the, the American dream, and then uh, I felt it uh, at that event in that arena. 
And I felt it the minute I walked and saw the crowd and how it looked, how the slope of the seats were. It's old school kind of a, an arena, not an empty seat in a place, as you know. And there's something, it's like sometimes I hear music and it makes me tear up because it reminds me of my wife, Jan. And I'm not going to say, God, Jay, are you losing your mind? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm losing my mind. Or maybe it's just my feelings. I don't know. But in any event, the uh, I felt dusty and I felt it get on that stage and I, uh, I don't know. I got a little carried. I got a little emotional, kind of, and I apologize for that. But fans kind of bared with me. Uh, but he's um, he's so he's got to be so proud of what uh, Cody has done. And now knowing Cody uh, and the DNA that he possesses, uh, then his the pressures. He's already thinking next time. That's what people do. That's what we do. We write one book. You write two. You know, it's just a, we do that in this crazy business. Sometimes you're always pushing, man. It's all you're always pushing. So thanks to both those guys. Thanks to Matt Stryker again. And thanks to you folks for being with us here this week. Hey, don't forget the, uh, five-star reviews. Our goal is to do a, a 1500 of them, 1500 five stars. Uh, by the end of the year, we need 256. I am told by producer Ted, uh, and, uh, so help us out there. Uh, Donald cab 22 says, being born in 93, good old JR is the voice that takes me back. Thank you for intense, for your intensity and emotion on the broadcast table. P.S. I'm buying some sauces. <laughs> well, good. Speaking of sauces, Donald, we sold every bottle of sauce we had at StarCast. I think we let there Raphael uh, Morphy, I think he said we had uh, you know, a handful of beef jerky left. Amazing. We had a, we sold a lot of books. It was just a really, a really blessed, great Sunday. Really was a great Sunday. Uh, JT gamer says, can't start my Wednesday mornings without listening to this amazing podcast. Gosh, you're a smart guy. JT gamer junk blue link. Don't even want to think of how that name came about. Junk blue link says I can't get enough of JR's stories and views. Keep it up. I shall. I shall, young man. I shall. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however the hell you may listen to your audio. And don't forget to leave us that elusive, much talked about, eagerly anticipated, coveted five-star review. Folks, as always, I encourage you to check out the new Westwood One podcast app. It's home to a stable of broadcasting superstars. We have to call them broadcasting superstars because this is, uh, you know, people can get a little huffy. You know, there's, a, there's egos involved here, folks. Come on. You know that. Not me. Of course, not me. <laughs> of course not. Uh, 83 weeks, Bischoff and Conning do a great job there. Eric Bischoff was the, he was the equivalent of Vince McMahon uh, in WCW, working there at Run, run the ship for Time Warner. Great stories. Great minds. He and Conrad are a real good pair, I think. Uh, speaking of Conrad, he's a guest with Chris Jericho this week on Talk is Jericho. Chris Jericho, the cruise master. Captain Stubing. It's the Slobberknocker at Sea, ladies and gentlemen, starring Chris Jericho and the longest scarf in the world. Keep me at 100 with the Conan is on our, our uh, hometown app here, the Westwood One Podcast app. Conan, Carlos, if you're a friend, I get to call him Carlos because we're buddies. 
He's been helping Ray Mysterio in his contract negotiations and a lot of stuff. We talked about that. You heard, and a uh, great, uh, great wrestling mind. You'll enjoy his show. I promise you. Uh, uh, Scotty Levy is the Raven stars in the Raven Effect. He's a very unique individual. He looks unique. He is unique. He thinks uniquely. He's a different breed of cat. Maybe the best entertainment of all would be to put a lipstick camera in a van down by the river and chauffeur Scott Levy from coast to coast. And by the way, a happy birthday, Scotty. He's 54 years old this week, folks. You see Scotty wish him a happy birthday. If you're not too afraid to approach him, go see how this dude looks, do a Google, find out, uh, Sean Waltman's great podcast is on this network. He's had a hell of a journey in his lifetime. He tells a lot of great stories about life and logic, and he understands the wrestling business. So if you're a fan and want to know more than just how to apply a hammerlock, you want history and you want feeling and want, you want to hear from somebody that still means something from then Sean Waltman's your guy. Simple. So just search a Westwood one podcast. Uh, in the app and Google play stores today, and uh, you'll be happy you did. Uh, it's a free app and it's damn sure good. Uh, I'm going to be in New York city this week for Westwood one talking to some potential advertisers about, uh, the investing in the ever growing world of podcasting, especially wrestling podcasts. And we got the best right here. You just heard me talk about it. So I'll be up there this week. I plan on hitting them for one heavy ass meal and a big bar tab. Let's give them some warning. Uh, this Saturday, Oklahoma hosts uh, UCLA, noon central time. I'll be there. Get home Friday. Not going to miss a game. Uh, my former uh, podcast producer, Stacy Parra, and her significant other will be attending that game, and we'll be having dinner, and they'll be watching me drink Moscow Mules. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at JRsBVQ. I am on Facebook and Instagram, thanks to uh, Sean Creedle, who's the brains of this outfit. Jim Ross BBQ on both Facebook and Instagram. And again, Slobberknocker is at Amazon.com. So that's about all the shilling I think I can do for one day. I uh, appreciate uh, you guys joining us as always. Remember, and I got this a lot uh, in Chicago, people are, they care about some of the little things I didn't think probably meant a lot, but they apparently do. And there are things like this, that uh, go out today and do something nice for somebody that's unexpected. You, you will genuinely feel better when you walk away. You really will. And uh, be nice to people. Man, it's just so much less stressful, so much less misery, unless you just got to immerse yourself in the damn drama of everyday life and keep piling it on. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't accept that crap. Be positive. Have fun. Do things, do, do things that you enjoy doing. I'm going to New York and I'm talking about podcasting. I love it. I'm going to Saturday. I'm going to go to the football game. What more? What, what kind of life am I leading? It's a, it's a charmed life. And right now I'm talking to you. Nothing better than that. So uh, until next week, ladies and gentlemen, again, go out and do something nice for somebody. Be nice to people. And remember, above all, ladies and gentlemen, that our tomorrows are never, ever guaranteed. So from the cat... Oklahoma City. I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross. Get ready to head that old, big old black Escalade right back down to Norman. And so until next week, so long, everybody. Ah.
What you listening to? Opie Radio. It's hilarious. Greg Opie Use talks current events, pop culture, visits with friends, guests, and even people on the street. It's an addicting podcast that keeps me laughing in these times. What station? No station. It's a podcast. Oh, lost me. You have a smartphone, smart speakers, a tablet, a computer? Yeah, hello. Just pick a podcast platform, search Opie Radio, and download. It's free and easy. Listen on demand whenever, wherever. Opie Radio. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.